Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Well, tonight we are continuing our series through the book of Acts called The Way Forward. And uh, we've been looking at the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a, a very unique book in all of uh, of the Bible because it is the only book that tells us how the gospel went from a few people in uh, Jerusalem when Jesus ascended into heaven to a worldwide movement that finds itself in the center of Rome when the book of Acts ends. Like, how did that happen? How does it go from a few people from Galilee in Jerusalem to the center of the, of the world at that point in the empire of Rome? And so Acts tells us about how that happened. Tonight, the, the message is going to be a little bit different than normal. Um, it is going to be not just over one passage, but we're going to look at a few different passages because we're going to look at a theme in the book of Acts. We are, I'm calling this message Discerning the Way Forward, and we're going to talk about how do you discern the will of God for your life as we look at, uh, the, at the passages tonight. And I know that doesn't pique anybody's curiosity. I know that no one asks those questions, but Maybe you'll have a friend sometime that does, you know. And so uh, in, in his book, Just Do Something, Kevin DeYoung uh, says this as he, uh, as he writes. He says, if God, has, if God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life, why doesn't he just tell me <laughs> what it is, right? Why don't he just tell me what it is? And it, has, it says, have you ever felt this way where you're faced with these decisions? What should I do with my summer? What should my major be? What should I do for a career? Should I get married? Whom should I marry? Where should I go to college? Should I go to grad school? What job should I take? Should I be a missionary? Should I be a pastor? Any of those questions ever come to your mind? Yes. Amen. Um, you know, this yesterday it was Easter, and we weren't sure we we're going to do it this year, but uh, our daughter asked for it, so we did it this year. We had an Easter egg hunt at our house, so we came home from, from church, and we hid eggs and three different Amy's, uh, you know, the daughter of a librarian, so she has this organized system of how to do it, and so the, we have like three different kinds of eggs, so every kid knows which egg is theirs because they're hidden on different realms of difficulty, right? And I, I was thinking about this today, that, that many times when we talk about the will of God for our life, we act like it's an Easter egg hunt. Like God hid it somewhere and he's a really hider and we have to like go find his will. Like he, it's hidden somewhere. We know it's there and hopefully he'll play the hot and cold game. You know what I'm talking about? You guys play that growing up with the hot cold game? You're getting warmer, you're getting warmer and you're like, okay already, where is it? You know, and that's at least that way it's in my house and, and like he just keeps taunting you. You're getting warmer, but he will never tell you. Anybody ever felt that way? Like that's what it feels like the will of God feels like? Well, my hope is, is today that we're going to see that God's will is not like that at all, actually. And my hope is that in this message is, is to simply do this, demystify God's will and clarify God's will a little bit. Does that sound good? Does that sound worthy of about 30 minutes of your time? <laughs> You're like, yes, that does. Okay. Well, that's what we're going to do. So open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. We're actually going to, I'm going to read a, 
No, go to Acts 13. I'm going to read a verse or two out of Acts 9, and then I'll go to 13. And I want to kind of set this up for you as we go. Okay, Acts 13, 1 through 4 is what I'm going to read when I get to Acts 13. So go ahead and turn there. But let me uh, read a passage that Radon actually spoke from uh, a couple years, a couple years, a couple weeks ago. Sorry, could be a long night, folks. All right. Acts 9, verse 15. This is what God said to Ananias, who was sent to, to Saul at this point, okay? He says this, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man who is Saul is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And you're like, that's pretty sweet. To the Gentiles, to the kings. And to the people of Israel. We'll keep reading. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And everybody's like, ah, okay. Okay, so here's the point. Paul, at the moment of his conversion, God tells him his will for his life. That you're, this is what you're going to do. You're going to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, to the kings, and to the people of Israel, and you're going to suffer for my name. Okay, so how many of you, like, you want to know God's will because you think it'll make your life easier? Sorry about that. Like, this clearly shows that God's will doesn't ensure an easy life. It does ensure a meaningful life, but not an easy life, per se, right? You'll have purpose, but not necessarily ease. Okay, now, let's hop over to Luke 13. Now, this is the launch of Paul's first missionary journey. Here's what it says. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, and it lists them, Barnabas and Simeon called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, who in parentheses, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, in case you're wondering, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Okay. As we get started tonight, I want to put a very centering principle in front of us before we go any further. And here is the centering principle. That most of God's will for your life is already revealed. What do I mean by that? In fact, I was talking to somebody today and he was like wanting to hear God. I said, if you want to hear God, put the Bible up to your ear. You'll hear God. The point is, this is God's word that speaks to us and reveals his will to us. And the majority, and when I mean majority, I'm talking like 95% of God's will is his moral will of how he wants you to live, to be conformed into the image of Christ, to be a person who walks according to his ways, that lives in his kingdom, is being transformed by the spirit that he gives you when you embrace Christ, who makes you new and transforms you from the inside out. That's 95 of God's will. And as I said, who you are comes before what you do in God's kingdom. Now, isn't that good news? So I told you that when Paul was saved that day, God told him his will for his life, God's will for his life. Now, 
Then we read at the beginning of the first missionary journey, Paul was saved, scholars believe, in around AD 36. Chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, when Paul launches off on his first missionary journey, is probably, scholars believe, between AD 46 and AD 49. Did you know there is a, an entire decade between his conversion and chapter 13? An entire decade. And Paul knew the entire time what he was called to. And you're like, well, what was Paul doing? Being obedient to the Lord? What, 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 why, why? I mean, if God knew, and, and you know, time is of the essence, right? No. Sometimes. What was Paul doing? God knew this, that, there, that Paul had a lot to learn. Paul had a lot to deepen in. Paul had a lot of maturing to do. And that if Paul was going to fulfill his will for his life, that those things would have to happen and then he would be launched out. See, how did, you know, when we read about all these crazy things that happened to the Apostle Paul, how did he endure that? I'll tell you how he endured it. You ready? One, he knew what he was called to. And two, he had deepening, he had deepened his roots, he had uh, matured, he had learned a lot to the point where then when he was sent out, he was resilient and he didn't flame out when he was sent out. Are you guys following me? In fact, what we see is that when he is standing at, at there was a martyr by the name of Stephen. He's standing at, and, and they're putting Stephen's, or their clothes as they're stoning Stephen at Paul's feet. And he's called a young man. In other words, the, the man that we see in chapter 13 who will endure great suffering has now matured. Has now started to look more like Jesus. And I think this is a very important point for us because sometimes when we talk about God's will for our life, we're very nearsighted. Like we don't want any wasted moments. We got to get going. Yeah. No, that, that, that's not what, because who you are comes before what you do. And he has some things to do in you that is his will. It's not so you can do his will. That is his will. Because if Paul didn't have that, God's call on his life would have been compromised or forfeited because he couldn't endure what he would have to endure. Okay, now that I've said that, how does God lead us? What we're going to do is we're going to find out there's really two ways that God leads us, and we're going to unfold these two ways for about 20 minutes, okay? And here are the two ways. He leads us through the path of wisdom, and he leads us through the intervention of the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to talk about is when does he lead us by the path of wisdom? What does that look like? And then when does he intervene by the Holy Spirit and why? How's that, does that sound like a, a good thing to talk about? Okay, so what we're going to, I want to, uh, well, we just saw how Paul's first missionary journey started. They were in a worship gathering. The leaders and elders of this church in Antioch discerned that the Spirit saying, set, set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work which I've called. In fact, so it means they've already known that that's what they've been called to, right? Now it's time to set them apart. They've been waiting for a decade. What have they been doing for a decade? Faithfully serving their church. That's what they've been doing. And deepening and learning and living the workaday world, making tents, right? Now it's time to set them aside 
and send them out. So in other words, it was a supernatural intervention because they were plodding away, doing the last thing Jesus told them to do, and now the supernatural intervention and they're sent off. So where do they go? We read it. The first place they go is to Cyprus. And you're like, why'd they go to Cyprus? Well, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. Here's why they went to Cyprus, Ben. They went to Cyprus because that's where Barnabas was from. And he knew Cyprus. In other words, their first step wasn't to a place that, that they'd never heard of or, or been to. Or, no, they went to, his, to where Barnabas was from. Let's start there. In other words, they started with the intervention of the Holy Spirit. And then their first step was one of wisdom. And you see this interplay of the intervention of the Holy Spirit and walking in wisdom simultaneously. And here's what I'm going to propose to you. You're going to see this interplay over and over and over again. So let's look at how the second missionary journey started. Here's how the second missionary journey started. Uh, Turn to chapter 15, verse 36. So they go on the first missionary journey. They suffer a lot, but churches are planted. They make a great report. People are coming to Christ all over. Each place we we went to, churches were planted. It was awesome. Okay, so that's their first missionary journey. Here's how their second missionary journey started. Chapter 15, verse 36. Listen to this. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word and see how they're doing. That's how it started. Paul's like, you know what? We should go back. We should like check out on those churches and see how they're doing. Barnes like, that's a good idea. Let's do that. You're like, oh, where's like the the uh, the cloud in the heavens and and then the angel visiting and uh, then God speaking through eighteen prophets that they should go? No, it was wisdom. That's how the second one starts. Now, we're going to read that there's some other stuff that happens on that second missionary journey. It starts in wisdom. Okay. What I would like to do is I want to talk just briefly about how does God use the path of wisdom, okay, before we get to the, the, the supernatural stuff. So uh, the first thing that, that we need to know that God uses in the path of wisdom is this, wise thinking, okay? Now, I know your minds are blown um, by this, but you'd be surprised how quickly we get weird, right? Like, we can quickly get weird when it comes to God's will um, and start to, like, think that if we just use wise thinking that that's not spiritual. So, um, wise thinking, pay attention to what God is doing in the arc of our lives as he transforms us. In other words, as you follow Jesus— What desires is he putting in your heart? What giftings are you seeing rise to the surface? Maybe they're already there, they're just lying dormant. Or maybe you've already known that those giftings were there and now you start to see how God can use those giftings in combination with the desires that he's forming in your heart, right? And as you're being transformed, he is unfolding how he wants to use, how he made you. Now, here's the thing. Isn't it really a beautiful thing that God could have started it way over here and over a large arc of your life is revealing 
the plans and purposes he has for you. Rather than you just need to go into a prayer closet and hopefully pray hard enough and listen closely enough and you'll walk out with the answer. In other words, maybe it doesn't have to be a crisis experience. But if you think wisely and prayerfully about what you're seeing God do in your heart, that's the beginning of the path of wisdom. Okay, secondly, wise counsel. What I want you to realize is in both of the missionary journeys of Paul, the first one, a prophetic word comes in the midst of all of the uh, people having a, a worship meeting and a prophetic word comes, set them apart. So in other words, it was discerned in community. Are you following me? The second one starts by Paul and Barnabas saying, hey, we should go back and do some follow-up and see how they're doing, right? And then here's what, um, what it says in verse 40 of chapter 15. It says this, and they were commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. In other words, the believers around them prayed for them and blessed them on that journey. So on one side, it was confirming the Spirit has spoken, you should go, and they pray for him. On the other side, they're confirming, yes, that is wisdom. You should go, and we're commending you to the grace of the Lord. In other words, the community was involved in both the Spirit speaking and confirming that, and in the path of wisdom and confirming that. And the reason why I say this is this. We act like discerning God's will is an individual sport. But what we see in Scripture, it's not actually an individual sport. It's a team sport. But we are so individualistic in our lives. I mean, one of my least favorite conversations as a pastor is when I sit down with somebody and and they tell me everything God told them. And so in other words, they're saying, so if you argue with me, you're arguing with God. And I want to say, I mean, and I understand, they, they believe God's doing stuff in their life and I don't want to demean that. But I will say this. Why don't we say, this is what I'm sensing the Lord's doing. Does this bear witness with you? Does this make sense to you? What what do you think? Are you guys following me? So we don't hijack the conversation to where you pit them against God early on. Instead, get wise counsel in the process of your discernment. Are Are you guys following me with this? So the path of wisdom includes wise counsel. Number three, it includes providential circumstances. I want to go back to an earlier part of Acts for this one. Um, last time I, I spoke, we, uh, Rigo and I talked about uh, the, the issue with the Hebraic and Hellenistic Jews and, and some people being overlooked at the tables, right, of the serving of the widows. And the solution to that was pick seven people from among you who can help solve the issue. One of those guys was a guy by the name of Philip. And so all of a sudden, they're, they're needing seven guys. And so they're like, hey, Philip, you're the man. He's like, oh, okay. And so all of a sudden, he's one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem. Then Stephen is stoned, who's one of the other seven. Stephen's stoned. And so all the believers scatter. And Philip scatters to Samaria. And so when he goes to Samaria, he does what Christians do. You know what they do? They share their faith. And so he shares his faith. And you know what happens? Miracles start happening. You know what happens after that? A revival happens. And all of a sudden, a revival starts spreading throughout Samaria that gets 
press in Jerusalem. They're like, we got to go check out this revival. Philip started praying with people and miracles started happening. He started sharing the gospel. People started coming to Christ. We got to check this out. Do you know how all that happened? Philip was running for his life. That's how it started. Here's the point. It was providential circumstances that sent him to Samaria. He was just being faithful. And in the midst of his faithfulness, what happened? He found himself in the center of God's will as he was fleeing out of Jerusalem. So, wise thinking, wise counsel, and providential circumstances. These are key aspects to discerning God's will through the path of wisdom. And I'm going to propose something to you tonight that may catch you a little bit off guard. My proposal is this, that if the path of wisdom will get you to where God wants you to go, that's what he'll use to get you there. If the path of wisdom will get you to where God wants you to go, he will probably just use wisdom, wise thinking, what he's doing in your life over, and over the ark, wise counsel and circumstances to get you to where he wants you to go. Okay. Having said that, let's pick up on the second missionary journey, okay? And we're going to see one of the major things that God uses to help you discern God's will that everyone underestimates. You ready? Okay, chapter 16, verses 6 through eight. Okay, so this, this missionary journey started how? I got an idea. Let's go back and see how they're doing. Okay, verse six, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of uh, Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of God in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they entered to they, they tried to enter Bithynia, and you're like, oh yeah, they don't want to go to Bithynia. But, um, but the Spirit of the Lord would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. You guys got all that? Okay, let me show you a map. Here's the map. Paul starts over here in Antioch of Syria, okay? This journey starts at the end of, or it starts and ends in Antioch. So they go up, they visit Derby, Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Those are the churches they planted on the first missionary journey. And now they're wanting to go into Asia and probably to Ephesus because that was like the crown jewel of, of Asia. They're like, if we can just go there and share the gospel, wouldn't that be awesome? And they try to go there and God says, nope. It says the Holy Spirit resisted them from going. Now what happened? We have no idea. Absolutely no idea. But the Holy Spirit resisted them from going. So they're like, okay, guess we're not going west. Oh, by the way, in Antioch of Pisidia, they picked up this guy by the name of, no, in Lystra, I'm sorry, in Lystra, they picked up this guy by the name of Timothy, who's like, hey, yeah, can I go? Sure, come on, man. Okay, so, so um, they're trying to go to, to, to Asia Minor. Nope, can't go there. Okay, guess we're not going west. I guess we'll go north. So they go up north to Bithynia. They're like, okay, we're here. Okay, by the way, scale 200 miles is that much, okay? So we're talking, they've been walking about 400 miles, and they get to Bithynia, and it's time to go to Bithynia, and the, and the Spirit of Jesus says no. They're like, well, can't go west, can't go north, 
How about we split the difference? And they walk as far as they can to Troas. You see where Troas is? And they can't walk any further. Timothy's thinking, where are we going? Paul's like, I had the slightest idea. He's like, I shouldn't have come. That's where they are. One of the greatest things that God uses to show you his will. You guys ready for this? Closed doors. Closed doors. I remember when we were dating, we were actually about a month away from getting married, and uh, Amy was at my parents' house, and we were down in my bedroom where the phone was, because back in these days, like, the phones were attached to walls and stuff, you know, like, and I, and if you're really cool, you had a phone in your bedroom, and so Amy had interviewed for this dietetics position. She had done her degree in dietetics. She'd done a professional internship to become a registered dietitian. She'd completed that. All of her training was getting ready to pay off. She was um, interviewing for positions, and she had just interviewed for her dream position. She hadn't heard back. I said, well, why don't you call them? She said, okay. So she called them. She was down there on the phone, and she said, hi, this is Amy, and um, I'm just, I, I interviewed for that position. I was just wondering, you know, where that stood, and they said, yeah, we've already called everybody that we're offering it to. And she hung up the phone and began to cry. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, and I said this to her. I said, Amy, and Court, here's what you need to know. At this point, we had no idea we'd ever share this story with anyone, okay? So this, you know, this, is, this is before us in ministry. And I said, Amy, we've been praying that God would lead you and would, would open up the door for, um, for, your, for your career. And if he closes this door, we need to thank God for closing this door. And so we knelt beside my bed and in her tears, she's like, thank you, God, for closing this door. And... <laughs> You remember that? Oh, yeah. And I was kneeling beside her, and I was like, yes, Lord, in faith we believe you got something better out there. Here's the end of the story. They called her back and offered her the job. Now, we had no idea that was coming. When we sensed that God was calling us into campus ministry, which I'll tell these stories at the end in just a second, um, but we sensed God was calling us to campus ministry, so we were like, oh, we have to do an internship. So we applied to do an internship with Chi Alpha, and on the application it says, please pick your top three internship locations. Well, we're like, I don't, I don't know any of these internships. And so we put one in Missouri, one in Michigan, and one in Louisiana. Why not, you know? And they all... <laughs> You're like, there's a lot of reasons not to. Anyways, okay, all right. And here's what happened. we got turned down from all three internships. I was working for one of the big four accounting firms in the world. And I'm like, okay, KPMG wants me, but Chi Alpha does not. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay. And then they said, uh, yeah, we can't explain it, but you didn't get any of those internships. And I said, well, I guess we're not going to do an internship, and I guess we'll just maybe come back to it in a few years if this is what the Lord, we're just trying to be obedient, is what I told the person on the phone. And she said, I, I would, or he said, Barry, he said, I would agree with you, but um, there's been another internship that's open since you 
applied, and that, that one's in Washington, D.C. And when I look at your application, I think it may be a good fit. And so I was like, okay. And that is how we got to the East Coast. And the reason why I say that is this. If we would have gotten any of those other three internships, we probably would have never even considered doing Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. And we wouldn't have planted Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia, and I don't know it would even be here. But we, w- we got turned down from three internships, and we then moved to D.C., and then from D.C. we saw UVA, and we came here 21 years ago. And the point is, this whole thing started with a closed door! Three of them! And here's the question, when you face closed doors, will you walk in faith in a God who's sovereign over your life, or will you start to fear? I mean, look at the second missionary journey. When they're in Troas, that's when they get a vision of a Macedonian man, and that's the first time the gospel goes to Europe. And so he ends up in Philippi, which I always find this interesting. He doesn't stop at Neapolis. I'm thinking, if I have a vision of a Macedonian man, I'm getting off the boat looking for the first Macedonian man. Anybody else? He's like, no, I'm going to a strategic location called Philippi, which is a little bit inland, and there I'll find my Macedonian man. Wisdom. Anyways, then he plants the church in Philippi, and then he plants the church in Thessalonica, then he plants the church in Berea, then he plants the church in Athens, and then he plants the church in Corinth. How many people say that's some pretty good fruit from some closed doors? What if God wouldn't have closed the door? And here's the question. Will we embrace closed doors with the same faith that we embrace open doors? Right? Because sometimes setbacks are divine setups. That you didn't see it coming just like Paul didn't see it coming. He had to face closed door after closed door before the door opened. And let me tell you guys, here's some good news. I faced some closed doors um, in my Relational world, too. (laughs) Yeah, Amy knows about one of those. It was her door that... uh... (laughs) Anyways. And I remember when she told me that door was closed, I I remember praying. I didn't, this isn't in the notes, but we'll get back to the notes. (laughs) I remember praying. I said, God, I'm just going to believe that You use her as an encouragement to encourage me that you have young ladies out there that I'd be excited about. And I guess there's someone better. I can't imagine it, but I guess there's someone else. And uh, a couple months later, she said, hey. Anyways, all right. That's another. But but here's the point. I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't know. Here's the thing. You guys, you guys are weird. You guys are weirdos, man. (laughs) Are you guys getting the point? We have to walk with faith even in the midst of the closed doors. Okay, all right. Now, when does God do the supernatural stuff? Okay, here's my premise, and I believe it flows from the scriptures, so bear with me. He will do the supernatural stuff when the path of wisdom will not get you to where he wants you to go. And I want to do it. A quick case study, and then I'm going to tell a couple stories, and we're going to close out. Here's the case study. Paul, why does he get a vision of a Macedonian man? Because the Macedonian was not on his itinerary. That's why he gets the vision. Are you following me? The only way he would get there is with a vision. 
Why did Peter have a vision of a sheet with pork chops on it coming down, right? Why, why did he have that vision? Because no Jewish person would go into a Gentile house to eat because it was against the Jewish customs. The only way that moment would ever happen is if God supernaturally intervened. The path of wisdom would have never got him to Cornelius' house. Why does Philip have an angelic visitation in Samaria telling him to go down the desert road so he could meet an Ethiopian eunuch? Why would Why did that happen? Because you don't leave a revival that God used you to start in the middle of the revival to just go into the desert. That's not the path of wisdom. Are you following me here? Each of these stories of supernatural intervention are places where the path of wisdom would not have gotten them to where God wants them to go. And here's the good news. That if The path of wisdom will not get you to where God wants you to go. He will intervene supernaturally to make that apparent. Now, here's our job. We have to keep hearts that are saturated in prayer and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So if he wants to do that, we won't be thick-skulled and miss it. Are you guys following me? At the same point, if the path of wisdom will get you to where you need to go, he will use that. Okay. Let me close. Oh, let me, here, here, by the way, here's three options. Anytime you face a, a decision, the three options you have is one, God doesn't really care which way you go. He, he'd be good with either. I believe that can happen many times. Secondly, God does care, and he'll use the path of wisdom to get you there. Or third, he does care. The path of wisdom won't get you there, and so he will intervene in a way to show you. It's interesting how the moment came for Paul and Barnabas. They were in a worship service. Can I tell you, if you ask people who God reoriented the trajectory of their life because of a supernatural intervention, when it happened, many, many, many times it happens in a corporate worship gathering. Why? Because the Spirit of God is at work among the people of God, and He begins to speak in those moments. In fact, whenever I was processing my own journey, it was in corporate moments that God began to speak to me and speak to Amy. I remember when I got called in the ministry, I was at a, 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 a corporate worship gathering. There was a response time. I came forward, and I began to pray. And in my head, I saw a red brick building on fire with the glory of God. I got up and I knew God called me in the ministry. I can't tell you how I knew it. i never seen UVA. I'm not sure it was UVA, but it happens to be full of a, a few red bricks. You know what I'm saying? I'm in Illinois, okay? And I get up and I just knew that I was called in ministry. And so I, I was engaged to Amy. I was like, uh, Amy, we got to talk. She thought she was marrying CPA. I was like, um. <clears throat> and I said to her, I said, so if this changes things, then I understand. She's like, No. I thought the Lord was going to do this anyways. I feel called to ministry too. And I was like, oh, praise Jesus, glory. (laughs) But yet we knew clearly we were going to go in the marketplace after we got married. And we went to this church service where they had a Chi Alpha speaker. Okay, 
Never once in the history of our marriage or our dating, even though we talked about ministry, did we ever say the words, maybe we'll do Chi Alpha. That night, at that church service, the Lord speaks, puts it in my heart. I can't explain it. All I know is like a seed was planted in my heart where he said, I want you to do Chi Alpha. So I remember we're, walk, we're driving home, we're driving over the Mississippi River in our, in our Honda Civic, and it's really quiet. And I was like, <clears throat> aim, uh. <clears throat> I think the Lord may want us to do Chi Alpha. And she said, me too. Oh, gee. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> She's like, me too. I was like, okay, we need to pray about this. We need to pray. So what did we do? We called our campus pastor. Again, community. Like, uh, and he said, I totally bear witness with this. Okay. And I don't have time to tell you the rest of the story. But we end up quitting our jobs in the coming months. And it changed the course of our life. The point is, is this. Never underestimate what God does in a corporate worship environment. Now, I'm not talking about some emotional high. I'm talking about a seed planted in your heart that you can't get rid of. Okay? If it goes away the next day, think of that as pizza or burrito or whatever, right? Like, but, if, but I'm talking about a seed of the Spirit that's planted in your heart. So how did God get us to where we are as we follow God's will. Well, supernatural intervention. The same night, independently, he speaks the same thing to both of us. I see a vision of a red brick school on fire with the glory of God. Why? Because from KPMG to UVA and St. You know, from KPMG and St. Louis to UVA, it's going to take some stuff. The path of wisdom wasn't going to get me here. But from D.C. to UVA, we were looking at different schools, and we're like, I don't know where the Lord wants us to go. And, and we were so desperate to hear from the Lord, we started to get weird at times. You know, it's like, the cereal box is made in North Carolina. Maybe that's where the Lord wants us to be. I mean, we get weird. You guys know what I'm talking about. General Mills, North Carolina. I mean, just... Here's the point. We said, wherever we go to Pioneer, we're going to make a 10-year commitment. We're talking about a decade of our lives. And you, you know what the Lord gives us? A big XA in the sky over the rotunda? No. That'd be cool, but no. A pro-con list. What? I mean, can't you do a little better than a pro-con list? You know what I'm talking about? All the pros going to UVA, cons going to UVA, pros going to Duke, cons going to Duke. And you're like, I know why you didn't go to Duke. But anyways, that's a, okay. But the point is, here, here's the point. Okay, okay, don't, now don't let me lose you. Here's the point. God used the path of wisdom to get us to UVA because that's all he needed to use. Are you guys following me? Now, once we told people that we were going to UVA, I'm never, never forget, we're on M Street and LaMadeline's in Washington, D.C., and they were like, well, what do you think? And she's like, well, what do you think? We'd been praying for two weeks, we didn't talk to each other. And, I mean, we talked, but not about that. But anyways, <laughs> so we were talking, and, and, and I said, I think we should go to UVA. She said, I think we should go to UVA, too. And I said, we're going to UVA. And so we started telling people we're going to UVA. So we called Pastor Pete Hartwig at City Church, and we said, he was a relatively new pastor. He said, we're going to come to plant Chi Alpha at UVA. He said, I already knew that. I said, you did? He said, yeah, uh, the Holy Spirit told me you're coming. And we presented you to the board last night for missionary support. 
before we ever told him we were coming. Now, the reason why I say that is we made the decision by the path of wisdom, but God graciously gave us supernatural confirmation because he knew we would be going through some stuff to make this happen. Are you guys following me? And we, didn't, we needed that confirmation. All right. I have some questions as we close. Worship team, you can come up, please. Here's some questions. Do you need to be reminded tonight that who you, who you are comes before what you do? So many times we're so fixated on what are we going to do and, and um, getting the, everything we need to make that happen that we put who we are on the shelf and think that that's secondary in God's will when really that's primary. The second question is this, will you receive closed doors in faith rather than fear, trusting that God is the one over your life? And I know it is hard and even painful when God closes doors, but look at the fruit of Paul's second missionary journey because he shut doors. Thirdly, will you embrace the way of wisdom and keep your heart sensitive and responsive to the intervention of the Holy Spirit? This thing isn't a big Easter egg hunt that you have to somehow figure it out and find, you know. No, 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 no. Walk the way of wisdom. Keep a heart that's saturated in prayer and sensitive to the Holy Spirit and you can trust that as you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He'll take care of the rest. Isn't that good news? And if you have a hard time trusting, do you know what my notes say you should do? Anna Grace, you should look to the cross. You should look to the cross. If you wonder if you can trust him as you walk the path of wisdom, and keep a heart open to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and all the twists and turns that, that may come your way, that you come to an MNL or you go to, uh, to church and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit plants something into the, the seedbed of your heart that you didn't expect. Here's what I can tell you. You can trust Him. And if you ever struggle to, look to the cross. What you'll see is you'll see his love on display. You'll see, after you look to the cross, you'll see a tomb that's empty and you'll see his power on display. And you'll know you can trust him. So I don't know where you're at tonight, but I believe that there's some people that needed to hear this. stand Lord we're so thankful that your spirit is with us and that you are active in our lives as needed you're active in the arc of our lives you're active in the moments of our lives and so Lord as we close in prayer I pray that you just build faith and you would sensitize hearts. You would build a sense of trust. 
you would orient our hearts around who you want us to be, not just what you want us to do. For your glory and our good, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's just let those last words just sink in for a moment. So faithful you are. Faithful, 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 faithful. Just want to give a moment. Maybe the Spirit's saying something to somebody's heart now. Planting a seed. be like Samuel say speak Lord your servant is listening yet we want to also be like Paul and says we're going to keep going till we're told to go a different direction and then we're going to go a different direction till we're told to go a different direction and we're going to keep our hearts open but we're going to move forward in faith and resilience and perseverance We're not going to be discouraged by closed doors. We're going to follow Jesus. Lord, we thank you tonight that you are the God of closed doors like the God of open doors. That you're the God who uses providential circumstances, wise counsel, and wise thinking. And yet you're also the God who can visit us in a moment and break through the haze if it's necessary so we can walk in what you would have for us. Thank you, Lord. You're so faithful. So I pray you'd build our faith, sensitize our hearts, and give us a heart of submission to whatever it is you would say and want us to do at any point for the glory of your name and your kingdom. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can I give the benediction? May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace as you follow him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's have a wonderful week following Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.